Welcome back to the Sully Scoop, where three lifelong Husker bros dive in-depth on all surrounding the new era of Husker football, where our cups never run dry of the roulade, under head coach Matt Rule, made by fans for fans, with J-Sol, B-Sol, and T-Sol. The Sully Scoop is the official Nebraska Cornhusker football podcast, brought to you by Big Banter. Back here on your favorite Cornhusker podcast, that's the Sully Scoop. You're here with J-Sol, B-Sol, and T-Sol. And joining the panel today, the only two that on the panel of the Sully Scoop that have ever witnessed a national championship and that they remember. Remember that. That they remember. And that is Big Dog and Double D out in Omaha. Welcome back. Thanks, Thanks, Brad. Yeah, glad to be back. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, and just so all the loyal scoopers do remember, I believe it was Big Dog who made his season predictions last year after week one, so he kind of had an idea like, hey, this team ain't going undefeated. And I believe Double D got the luxury of picking after that Georgia Southern game that we all, you know, for some reason just can't forget. And he got to skate on by the season knowing exactly what it was going to feel like. Well, let's put that one behind us, guys. I agree. Let's leave uh, Let's leave this memory of Scott Frost coaching in the rearview mirror. And let's just jump into it. How do you guys feel about the Nebraska-Minnesota game? None of us are fans of opening up in Big Ten play. Um, but how do you feel uh, this game's going to go uh, Thursday night up in Minneapolis? Well, I'm uh, hopeful that our line play will improve on both sides of the ball and we won't get pushed around like we have for the past, I don't know, four or five games with PJ running up and down the sidelines. Um, if that continues, it's going to be a long season, but I, I'm hopeful we can – we can at least hang with them. I think it'll be a close game if we can. It's going to be tough to beat them up there. But if we show good physically, I think it'll portend for a better season. I totally agree. It's going to come down to the offensive line and what's killed us the last uh, few times, and especially last year, was uh, uh, time of possession where, uh, you know, in some of those games – uh, Palmer was electric. It can score really quick, but the problem was our defense couldn't go out and, and do a three and out or even, uh, you know, one or two first downs and get the ball back by the end of the game. I think, uh, last year, I think Minnesota had it, you know, almost 10 minutes more than we did. And that by the fourth quarter just wears you down, especially against a running team like they are. Well, it didn't, didn't think- help that they had their seventh year quarterback still there <laughs> and and the running back both of those guys are gone so um perhaps it'll be different this time around yeah i'm looking forward so. to facing them without those guys for sure yeah i certainly certainly agree with you both there it's nice to see uh mo abraham and tanner morgan moving on um how do you feel though with uh the new rules to college football and the clock not stopping after a first down do you think that's going to make the time of possession more lopsided um not in nebraska's favor against a minnesota team that's going to run it uh if i could see this turning into uh 
PJ really tried to hold the ball for an entire quarter if we cannot get him off the field? Well, if you remember last year, um, we pushed him around pretty good. We had him shut out at half, and then we didn't make any adjustments, and they ended up scoring all the points in the second half, and we lose. The physical side of it's going to determine whether PJ can run up and down the sidelines and hold the ball or we can hang with them and and keep the ball away from them. I think they've they've gotten into a ball control type team and you you have to be physical to prevent that from happening. Yeah, I think it's going to be a different game again with what you guys uh, all touched on without Tanner Morgan there is uh you know quarterback from uh, however 6 7 years. Uh, it's going to be a different story with this younger guy. And if Nebraska's big line can be physical, and uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, see Sims out there at quarterback and just what he can do to uh, rattle the other team. So I'm I'm not to jump into my pick, but I uh, very optimistic. I'm I'm going to put a W down for that game. Well, we're going to need you to lock in that score there, big dog. But I do want to say I agree. I am there for Jeff Sims. This might be the first quarterback we've had in a decade that has arm talent. Now, Jason, I do got to point out that you're claiming Jeff Sims is going to get an invite to New York with the Heisman ceremony, but you picked the Huskers to win six games. It's and it's I like just a hot don't take of see yours. it all comes. No, Jason, you said he's going to go to New York. On a six-win squad, I just don't no. think that's going to happen. I said if if B Cell's predictions, which I did tell everyone that has listened to the Sully Scoop, B Cell lives in a delusional world. If it happens and the Huskers go ten and two, eleven and one, even nine and three, there is no way they are leaving out Jeff Sims from getting the invite to New York. He might not win it. My Twitter says otherwise. He might not win it, but he will be in New York. Double D, are you picking a? A Heisman ceremony appearance by Jeff Sims? Well, not unless I'm getting significant odds on the underdog side. <laughs> but how do you have the Huskers shaken this week in Minneapolis? Well, I think they're going to have a difficult time on the road. Um, I'm I'm predicting uh, they'll handle the seven and a half points, but I think they'll come out on the short end of a 24 21 score. You're you're close. Uh, I got it almost the the flip. I think Nebraska is going to go in there and uh be able to pull off the upset 24 20 in their favor. And just to recap, B Saul has us beating Minnesota 21 to 17. J Saul has us losing 24 to 17. I have us winning 24 to 17. And that game has been flipped multiple times there for t <laughs> himself. So I'm right either way. Well, you can look for me in the stands. I'm not sure where I'm going to be sitting, but we'll be up there. I, I'm not crazy about uh, starting on a Thursday on the road. I think we'd have more fans there if it was a weekend game. Well, when you look at uh, when you look at the Big Ten here trying to screw Nebraska, um, 
you know, with whether it be schedule wise or anything like that, they decided they were only going to give us uh, one of Michigan and Ohio State, not both this year. So they decided uh, Thursday night to open the game, open the season up was just as good. And then Friday night in Urbana against Illinois. Don't forget that one, too. They're testing the resolve of the Husker faithful. Um, I think you'll still have people show up, uh, just not as in force as we've had in the past. And uh, I don't know what we've done wrong in Urbana, but uh, they decreased they decreased the crowd by a significant amount, mm-hmm. moving that to a Friday game. That is true. How? Um, but before we get ahead of ourselves and look ahead to that Illinois game, how do you both feel about Nebraska on the road, second game of the season, facing Colorado and new coach Deion Sanders? I got him going in there and and winning. I, you know, <laughs> Sanders brought in some talent, but uh, that team was uh, more decimated than. Uh, than Nebraska for sure. They didn't have a lot. And some of the talent that was there when he got there, he sent them packing. They just didn't fit his mold. Um, they're going to, they're going to win more than the, whatever the one game they won last year. But uh, I think Nebraska can go in there and, uh, and beat them um, relatively easy. I'm kind of on board with that too. I'm I'm not buying into coach prime and all of the hype that comes with him. He didn't look bad in the cowboy hat, but I don't, I don't think he's going to turn a one, one win team into winning seven or eight games. And uh, the former pack 10 uh, just hasn't shown well. I think they'll be in over their heads here. Uh, and I think if Nebraska can get out in front, it could be a route. I'm going to call it 28, 14 Nebraska. I've got them getting out early and and rolling. I've got it thirty-five to seventeen, Nebraska. I guess what color do you think you're going to see more in the stands? Dion came out and said he wants to ban red from inside the Colorado Stadium. What team do you think is going to have? I mean, these prices are ridiculous out there, up over four hundred dollars. I mean, do you think the Huskers are still going to travel to this game? Well. Yeah, they had a coach before that tried that, and my experience has been you can talk all the color you want. The The color that matters come game time is green, and if you've got enough green, you'll be sitting in there. And, Jay, so I've seen a ton of Husker fans posting on social media. They got their tickets. They're going to the game. It just seems like, what Colorado's trying to do to keep Nebraska fans out is starting to backfire. And I bet you more Nebraska fans make the trip to Colorado and, you know, put the down payment on their house, you know, halt it for a month to buy these tickets versus going to Minnesota or Illinois where tickets are going to be a lot cheaper. Well, having some experience uh, in the secondary ticket market, I would advise all Nebraska fans to just show up and then see how many Colorado fans really want to go to the game. But then the following week after we lay a whooping on Colorado and Deion Sanders, we got Northern Illinois coming to town. It's got a, this better be a quick pick for both of you. Well, it's a classic kind of a trap game, although it's a couple of weeks till we play Michigan. I hope they don't read their 
press clippings too much. Um, Northern Illinois has given us problems in the past, but I think in this case, uh, Huskers 42, Northern Illinois 7. Yeah, I have I have uh, the Huskers having a little bit of a letdown that week uh, after starting 2-0. and uh, Still have them winning, but not, not rolling like they should against a Northern Illinois team. But I have them winning 31 to 14. When he came with the word letdown, Bissell was shaking in his boots because let me tell you, he doesn't have a letdown all season. <laughs> now, Jason, when when he also said, I'm coming with a letdown, I was expecting a game to have a closer margin of victory than I picked. And we've got the same amount of victory, uh, same spread there for victory. Well, I'll tell you what, this would have me worried if the Huskers go into this game at home and lose to NIU. It is the blueprint for Scott Frost all over again. Well, I think this guy's proven himself at a higher level than than Scott was able to do. Um, he's been through recruiting. He's been uh, a turnaround artist. Um, and I think you guys last year and the years prior could see – Nebraska wasn't that far away. They just needed to take a step forward, but that wasn't happening. Uh, it stagnated almost from the jump that we stayed in place the whole time. And um, it was apparent last year that that wasn't going to happen this year. I think um, we'll get off to a better start, be a little more disciplined, hopefully be able to make adjustments at halftime and win close games instead of giving them away. And that's the uh, that's the biggest takeaway here is I agree with you. It was the same same story, different day with Scott Frost. And the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to and I'm excited about is having Matt Rule come in and make those halftime adjustments after, you know, going into half, whether the game plan's working or not. If you can make the adjustments – like you said, last season against Minnesota, you had them shut out at half and you turned around, made no adjustments, and you ended up losing the game. For me, it's just what I've been missing is just having a coach on the sideline who cares, who cares about the football game, who cares about the program, who cares about the fans. We haven't seen that recently. Scott Frost could care less. I mean, when you heard about him blowing off Dylan Riola for margaritas, yeah, the guy clearly doesn't care about the program. You know, that's the number one recruit in the country. Let's just blow him off. And Mike Riley could care less about the game. His entire tenure at Nebraska was a vacation for him. I think it was just, you know, building up his money for retirement because I would care less that we got blown out by 40 points. T-Cell, I would argue that it wasn't a vacation for him. I would argue it was just an ice cream social and it just depended if you were getting sprinkles or not. Yeah, so I'm I'm hoping that, uh, or I'm pretty confident, uh, Rule will not. Uh, he's more of a coach. Some of the things that uh, Frost did, you just had to scratch your head over. He didn't. He he should have been better at managing the clock than he was. And some of the things, I think it was last year uh, uh, when they were. I think it was last year in Ireland when they clearly had the game under control. They scored the touchdown, just kick off and play defense. Instead, he tries an onside kick, gives them the short field, and turns the momentum 100% the other way. It just – stuff like that you just you just don't do. Now, 
do I sense that uh, Big Dog's got a uh, nice full cup of roulade there going into uh, Louisiana Tech Week? Oh, you know I do. Uh, and again, I just slow and steady, slow and steady. Uh, you know, but I have them. I have them four and zero after that game. I have them uh, beating Louisiana Tech forty-two to twenty-one. We haven't seen a four and zero, and he's talking about slow and steady. We haven't seen that since Mike Riley had this team seven and zero to start. Yeah, for, for me, it's all going to hinge on Thursday's game. I mean, I if they win in Minnesota to start it out. That's what I'm basing my uh, predictions on here, that they're then just there's rolling. no stopping them. That's Big right. Big Dog is, is rolling in. We beat Minnesota. We are locking it in. That's We're right. going to Indy. And, Jay, so the number one reason why Nebraska can start 4-0 this season and didn't the past couple of years, because we don't have Oklahoma on the schedule. That's the difference for me. Well, I do want to tell you something. Big Dog has him 4-0, and I believe everyone else has shot down my hot take of having Jeff Sims in New York for the Heisman voting. And it, I don't believe Big Dog even spoke a sound or made a noise when that topic was brought up. Well, when I'm done with my predictions here, if if they attain what I've got them going to, I might have to buy his ticket there. I think I think uh, Louisiana Tech's a dangerous game as well, with uh, our good friend Coach Khaki Pants around the corner. After that, provided he's not suspended, um, but I do think they'll survive that one. Thirty-five uh, ten, Nebraska over Louisiana Tech. And then it's your buddy Khaki Pants coming to town. Double D, what do you got happening against him? Well, he's been the source of a lot of heartbreak over the years. Um, when they've come to town, we've played them close and found a way to lose. Adrian Martinez fumbling the ball when uh, we clearly had the game in hand. Um, we've always played them tough here. I don't really see any reason for that not to occur again although they handled us pretty good up there last year. Uh, but Michigan's pretty loaded. They've got a ton of returning starters. Um, I think they're playing the portal pretty well, uh, very highly regarded going into the season. So I think it's going to be tough for our first-year coach to to beat them. I have it uh, Michigan 31, Nebraska 24. Yeah, I I agree. Um, it's going to be tough. I have uh, I have Michigan, um, you know, just the depth finally wearing down Nebraska. I think Nebraska will play them play them tough, uh, you know, through maybe three quarters, and then uh, you know, I think they'll just tire out. Michigan's just got too much depth. I have uh, Michigan coming in there and and winning thirty five to seventeen. Well, I'll tell you what, I think if this was an athlete's game, you know, a seven-on-seven -seven matchup, would you take out the lines on both sides, offense and defense? I think the Huskers would match up fairly well. I think it's I think they have the athletes, they have the talent, you know, at the prime positions. But when it comes down to football and there's eleven guys on the field, games are won and lost in the trenches. And I think Michigan at this day and age has the best offensive line and defensive line in the Big Ten. Jay, so no. I would actually argue 
with you there. If it was seven on seven, Nebraska versus Michigan. That's a first. I think <laughs> I think Nebraska wins. Okay. The thing with Michigan, like you said, they got the best offensive line in the country and probably a top top five defensive line in the country. I'm not going to give them the best because there are some other good teams like Georgia or I maybe just want to say State. I said in the Big Ten, though. In the Big Ten, not the country. Don't quote me wrong with some <laughs> of these other teams start having the best offensive lines. Well, what I'm telling you, Jay Saul, is Michigan's offensive line probably is the best in the country. But at least, you know, when you look at their offensive line from last year, and a lot of those guys are back. So on paper, they should be about the same. Their defensive line, though, I might look Ohio State before Michigan. Well, I definitely would look Ohio State before Michigan. I might look even Iowa before Michigan. You know, like I said, they're they're top five-ish in the country, top three for sure in the Big Ten. You take those two factors out of the game. I mean, they don't have a Trey Palmer. Last year, I think Nebraska would have beat them hands down. You need a, you need a one guy to beat those guys seven on seven. And I would argue they don't have a Jeff Sibbs. Exactly. But when you throw you when you factor in the offensive line, I'm with you. It's, they're going to overpower us with those two factors, unless we could somehow figure out a way to play football without a line. Now, T Cell and J Cell, you guys can argue about best line in the Big Ten here, but I don't know that that's what matters here. What matters is we've got two people on who we need to get a take on a famous T Cell hot take here. Double D, big dog. You've got some high scoring games there from the Huskers in the first four games of the season. T Cell seems to think that Gabe Urban Jr. will have seven touchdowns on the season by the Michigan game. Do you think that's realistic? I do, yes. I My the man. only thing that the only thing that would stop him uh would be if he's not in the game because they're blowing someone out and start putting in the second team. See, I think that there is so much depth in our running back room that even if they're calling him running back RB1, running back one, regardless of what Matt Rule is going to call him, I think the three of them between him, Ramir Johnson, and Anthony Grant, and I know Grant's put the ball on the ground during practice, I think the three of them are going to be switching out, keeping fresh legs, and continuing to just pound the ball against people here. And that's where I find it hard to believe that he's going to have seven touchdowns in the first four games. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head when you mentioned Grant's fumbling uh, prowess right now. So if you get down in the red zone, I take Grant out of the equation and he's going to give it to someone that he doesn't think is going to fumble. That's just my thought. But that could that could change after Minnesota. If Grant gets, you know, 10 carries against Minnesota and doesn't fumble and looks looks like he's holding the ball secure, come Colorado, maybe Anthony Grant's your red zone back. I just think there's a lot of things that could change in the first four games here as they find an identity on offense. Well, B-Sol, here's uh, my thoughts on this, is if Gabe Irvin Jr. is as good as we expect him to be, I don't care how good Ramir Johnson you think that he is or how good you think Anthony Grant is. If Gabe Urban is the beast like we think he's going to be, like we think he's going to be that, uh, that uh, gosh, the running back from the Tennessee Titans, he has the potential to be that good. If he's that good, you ain't taking him out of the game. There's not a play I'm not running where I'm not giving him the ball or at least faking to him. I believe even in college, Derrick Henry did share 
Derrick Henry. I'm kind of with with Bill on this one, Bissell. Um And I've got these games fairly lopsided in, in the Huskers' favor. I think particularly NIU and Louisiana Tech, Rule's going to be looking at what all he's got there. Frankly, um, I was pretty impressed with Grant last year for most of the year. Uh, I can't say the same for Irvin. Irvin had some, I think, injury difficulties, or perhaps he had difficulties with with the coach. So I have a hard time seeing any one of those guys getting the bulk of the carries in the in the first four games or five games, I guess. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. There, I mean, it it's very hard to believe, and I've gotten a lot of a uh, a lot of pushback from a couple of the other guys around the big banter um, squad saying that it's crazy for me to pick uh, Ramir Johnson as the uh, most underrated player on Nebraska. But listen, I, I still think you go back two years, Ramir Johnson was the best player on offense. And then you turn around and he doesn't get to touch the field the next season because all of a sudden he's in some hot water with the coaching staff. So what are we going to see from Ramir Johnson this year? I I have zero doubts that he is going to be the top running back when you're running some of these RPOs and having Jeff, Sw- Jeff Sims head out on the outside, keep a carry, and Ramir Johnson's got a little wheel route going up the sideline. I That, to me, is going to be a recipe for success. I think it'll depend on um, how much they want to put Sims out there. I don't know how much confidence they've got in the in the quarterback depth position. And we've traditionally run guys quite a bit and then usually younger guys and then they have injury problems and they're just not the same. I think that happened with Martin the two Martinez's, Taylor Martinez and Adrian Martinez. Whether Rule will recognize that um coming out of the gate is yet to be seen, but I think if the quarterback depth isn't there, um, you won't see Sims running the ball a whole lot. But if it were up to Jaysaw, Jeff Sims would be passing on every play just to get him into the Heisman contention. If they're at the one-yard line, he's throwing a screen pass just to get that passing touchdown. He isn't going to need to because he's doing a fake handoff and rolling to the outside. Even Peyton Manning could do it. I think Jeff Sims can Well, before we build Jeff Sims' Heisman case five games into the season, let's take it down to that next game here. Double D, Big Dog, how do you see the Nebraska – how do you see Nebraska doing on a Friday night in Champaign against Illinois? Well, I'll uh, I'll chime in. So uh, I wasn't happy when they moved it to uh, uh, Friday night as uh, I don't think any – the Nebraska fans really were and uh, but I do think the chief is going to be happy after the game but it's not going to be chief Alinawek it's going to be chief Borders who is happy I think he's going to have a huge game playing in front of some of his family members that I'm sure will make the trek down uh, to Champaign since he's from Illinois and I have uh I have Nebraska winning 28-24 on that Friday night. Finally shake off those uh, pesky uh, line eyes. I have Illinois um, 
given us a tough physical game as well. I think that's Bielema's formula that he brought from Wisconsin. He's got uh, a very good defensive lineman there. And for whatever reason, um, they seem to have pretty good luck against us playing up there. Uh, this is one I hope I'm wrong on, but I've got it. Illinois 24, Nebraska 17. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's nothing that has really changed for the Huskers. We've got a new coach. I don't know why. I am with you there, Double D. I am not expecting us to go into Urbana-Champaign. I mean, it's a Friday night, another quick week turnaround, and you're taking on a team that had an opportunity to win the West. Yeah, every team had an opportunity to win the West last year. But this team just runs the ball, and if you're not scoring pretty much every drive, you're not going to get the ball enough to catch up. Now. At the halfway point through the season, let's just revisit here with the five of us on. Um, through six games, uh, myself, I have the Huskers at five and one. T-Sol has the Huskers at four and two. J-Sol, three and three. Big Dog has them at five and one as well. And Double D has them three and three. Sounds about right. Um Big Dog has apparently been uh, drinking the same Kool-Aid as B. Saul, and I wouldn't be surprised if he starts calling for Jeff Sims' Heisman campaign as well as J. Saul. Even though J. Saul has him a three and three, I'm not. I'm still not quite sure how that correlates. But it's all lingering on B. Saul's picks here. But moving on to the next game against Northwestern, I would again assume most of us have the same pick. I think that's right. This is uh, Northwestern's in pretty much disarray. As all you scoopers know, that's kind of a tradition anymore to go see Nebraska Northwestern, regardless of where they're playing. Although we didn't make it over to Ireland last year, I think, thankfully, given how it worked out. Um, And we really laid it on them uh, two years ago, and I expect us to lay it on them again in this one uh, to the tune of 49-3 Nebraska. Now, real quick, I need to point something out here because Double D is pretty spot on with my picket for that Northwestern game. And I just got to let you know that the other two, the other two knuckleheads up here, Jason and Biso were giving me a lot of crap about that pick because I picked a 40 to zero shutout and you're sitting at 49 to three, pretty much a shutout. But Chiesel, that is not a shutout. Chisel, you uh you had them 45 to nothing. Don't sell Same yourself difference. short, kid. Yes, but it's still a shutout. That double D is not out here picking a shutout. I do not think that the Huskers are gonna shut out Northwestern. They are still a Big Ten opponent, a Big Ten West in division opponent. I mean, they are going to find a way to score the ball at least one time, whether well, it be through the you know, through the uprights or not. Well, double D is saying that it's a last second field goal that the Northwestern coach called out there just so they didn't get shut out in the game. And guess what they wouldn't be? Getting shut out. Well, let me tell you, Big Dog probably picked the shutout. <laughs> no, no, he didn't. But I, I do think uh, coming out of uh, an off week, uh, setting up for Northwestern, um, I, I do think they're going to roll. I've got Nebraska winning 42-10. to 10. 
Um, you know, shutout could very well happen. It, it's just tough to do because, as you know, in Nebraska, it doesn't always get the ball bouncing their ways, and uh, uh, it's just too easy to fumble and and already have you know give up the ball in your own territory and give up some cheap points. But I don't think they're going to struggle in the game. I think it'll be an easy win, forty-two to ten. Well, with both of you joining the crew here and all picking that one as a win, we got to know what you got coming for the Big Ten West champs from last season in Purdue with a new coach and new quarterback in Lincoln this time. Well, last year the champs had a hard time stopping us. Um, That was a shootout right till the end on the road. I think – They've graduated a lot of their talent. I think them coming into Lincoln and doing the same thing is uh, pretty unlikely. Uh, I've got this one 56 to 28, Nebraska. Yeah, I think uh, I think last year um, was somewhat of a, a fluke with Purdue uh, beating us. Uh, that was one of the games I, I was talking about, uh, time of possession being key. And that was one they had no answer for, uh, I think it was last year, we were just, we'd put up some quick points and then our defense couldn't get off the field. So I want to say they had the ball um, over double what we did. It was like 43 minutes to 17 minutes time of possession. And, uh, you know, and they They still barely won. They had nightmares about Trey Palmer for two or three weeks afterwards. Yeah, they had no answer. But again, like I said, I like the quick scores, but you got to have a defense that can, you know, get the other guys off the field and get it back to your offense. Or, you know, it's tough to win a game if if they've got the ball 43 minutes to your 17. By the end, your defense is tired. Uh, I think this year will be a different story. I've got Nebraska winning 35 to 20 in Lincoln. Now, before we bypass through Purdue completely here, uh, I agree with you, Double D. I do know Purdue graduated a lot of talent there, but there's one guy that TESOL has been having nightmares about since that game, and that is Mr. Devin Maccabee. And let's just uh, let's jump into another one of his hot takes here. Uh, he believes that Devin Maccabee will finish the year with more touchdowns than Gabe Irvin. Now, remember, Gabe Irvin will have seven touchdowns before Michigan. And he believes Devin Mockaby will have 14 touchdowns on the year and finish with more touchdowns than Gabe Irvin. Does that seem like a realistic possibility to everybody? Uh, more than Gabe Irvin, possibly 14 himself, unlikely. Well, let's just remember we went over the fact that Purdue lost their quarterback, they lost all their talent, and we know that this kid teams struggle to tackle. Weak teams, the entire West is weak teams. I think Purdue's got nothing else but to give this guy the football on almost every play. That makes them easy to stop when you know what's coming. We might have to get Big Dog's take on this one. (laughs) I don't think you want to. (laughs) (laughs) On to the next segment. Yes, uh, I I don't see, uh, like I said, I don't don't think he's going to have 14 touchdowns. I could be wrong, but uh, I don't see that. You don't see what him having fourteen touchdowns, or you being wrong? <laughs> well, both. <laughs> so let's go. 
on to the final third of the season here. We've got Big Dog has the Huskers at seven and one. Double D has the Huskers at five and three. We've got four games left on the season. How do you see the Huskers faring on the road in East Lansing against Michigan State? This was a tough one for me. Uh, I think it's, you know, but I went with my heart on it. I still got them going into East Lansing. They always play Michigan State tough, usually have close games. I have Nebraska pulling out the win 24-13. But that's, like I say, that could easily go the other way. Um, just at that uh, phase in the schedule and uh, depending on how healthy Nebraska is by the time they get to that game. Yeah, I I had a tough time with this one as well. Um, Michigan State's another team that just seems to have our number. Um, I think at this point in the season, Tucker will be fearing for his job. Um Y'all recall the the punt to the wrong side of the field that they took back late in the game to win two years ago when we were up there. I see something similar happening here. I hope I hope I'm wrong about it, but this is one game I think that we should win, but we're going to lose uh, 24 to 21. Michigan State's what I have. And Double D, that means that according to B-Cell, you have the Huskers losing to the most overrated coach in all of college football. That's correct. (laughs) And And with those picks coming in, I'll tell you what, coming to Lincoln is T-Cell's best quarterback in college football, Tua's brother. Everyone knows him as Tua's brother. He doesn't even have his own name for himself yet. Do you, how do you guys see this game going in Lincoln with quote unquote the best quarterback in college football in the Big now, Ten? Now, Jay Sol, he's he's backing it up here saying just in the Big Ten. We also need to point out that T Sol has Maryland finishing in the top three of the Big Ten East there. So being better than Penn State, Michigan, or Ohio State, he won't lock in which one. I'm he telling also you, it's has, Penn State. He also has Tulia Tungavaloa in New York on Heisman ceremony night. And so it really begs the question, do you think the Huskers can keep up with this Maryland team that T-Sol views as a juggernaut? Well, if you're asking me and drinking your Kool-Aid there, B-Sol, with my Heisman guy going to be in New York, (laughs) you're darn right we're keeping up. I think uh, T-Sol's guy is probably going to be watching from the sidelines in street clothes from this game. I don't see him getting through the year in one piece, given his track record. Uh, I got this one, Huskers 31, Maryland 21. As a win or a loss? Nebraska winning 31-21. Yeah, I've got I've got similar. I, I think Maryland will hang with them for a while, uh, and it'll be a close game. I've got the Huskers winning 31-28. We. We did forget to mention part of T-Cell's hot take was that at the end of the year, the Big Ten East would have three teams in the top ten. And he did mention in lockdown that Maryland would be in the top three of the East. That is actually false. We were arguing, J-Cell, because B-Cell's telling me that there's no way that Maryland beats Ohio State, Penn, uh, Penn State, or Michigan. And 
We know that he's not picking Michigan State with the most overrated coach in college football to beat any of those three. And there's no so way he's picking me? Indiana or Rutgers, meaning those three teams are guaranteed to be inside of the top 10 because that means they have no surprising losses. Okay. But when I said Maryland was going to knock off Penn State, I did not say that they were going to be in the top 10. I said they would be in the top 25, top 15 oh. if they're lucky. How the how he keeps backtracking out with that number. Play the tape. Well, I'm I'm in in uh, T cells defense. Big dogs with him a little bit, but uh, I think he's got it backward. You, Big dogs. You also go on... have Maryland in the top three of the East. No, I'm just and saying in the top ten. The Big Ten's going to have three teams in the top ten, but I'm going to say to start the season. Well, he mentioned to end the season. <laughs> Well, here's what I'm telling you, because we can get on a whole different debate. But what has Penn State done to deserve to be this juggernaut that people think they are? Because remind me the last time that they went out and won the Big Ten and made the college football playoff. I don't think it's happened yet. Don't think it has. Well, here's what they've done. They've recruited a real quarterback, which they haven't had in about the last 10 years. I feel like, though, Penn State's had at least two five-star quarterbacks that just haven't panned out there. So maybe it, maybe it's something happening up there with the Nittany Lions. Who really knows? But I'm just saying they haven't beat Ohio State in like six or seven years. I mean, they beat Michigan two years ago, but I don't think they're even going to come close to Michigan. I bet you Michigan just whoops them by like 30 or 40 points. They're, I mean, there's a huge huge depth difference between them and Michigan and Maryland is creeping in on them. That's all I'm saying. Well, there aren't a lot of teams that have beat Ohio state in the last seven, eight years as well. Besides Penn state and Indiana, Indiana beat them. Don't forget that. Oh, there's, there are some teams that have beaten them, but most of them have not. (laughs) Now, speaking about teams going through a little bit of a, a wind drought here, how do you both see the following game for the Huskers with Nebraska at Camp Randall to play Wisconsin? Well, this is a tough one. We should have won the game last year. Uh, and and I'm, I'm picking more with my heart because I just will not pick Wisconsin. <laughs> so Amen pick, to that. I'm picking Nebraska – to go into Camp Randall and pull off what I'm sure is going to be an upset. I'm expecting them to go in underdog. I got them winning 35-31. Now, Big Dog, as much as I believe that they will go into Camp Randall and be an underdog, I believe if the team is sitting at, I think you had them 9-1 and there, I do not see them going into Camp Randall and still being an underdog. That could be just that could be just my feelings on it though, but if they're 9 and 1 going into Camp Randall, I there's no way that they have them picked as an underdog. Uh they do a lot of strange things when you're the visiting team in uh, college sports. I would and, still expect them to be an underdog. And Bisol, weren't you picking that the Huskers would be ranked 5th in the Big 10 when you had them sitting at 10 and 2 at the end of the season? I do not know what you're talking about there, T Saul. J Saul, please, please clarify that he said something like that. I do not recall this, but it would not surprise me. He does live in a delusional how, world. We've how been could over that this. be possible? I've got Nebraska representing the Big Ten West of the championship game. I wouldn't have said they were the fifth best team in the conference. 
That's what we had an issue with. You came in saying that they were going to be the fifth best team in the conference because you said two teams were getting in the college football playoff from the Big Ten. The brass yeah, is getting I overlooked in the Rose that. Bowl. Nope. They're not getting overlooked in the Rose Bowl. They're in the Rose Bowl in his predictions. <laughs> yeah. So now we already know you're confusing me with somebody else because we all know I didn't pick two Big Ten teams to go to the college football playoff. Just one. And it's your Huskers. I had a tough time with this one as well. Wisconsin with Braylon Edwards or Braylon Allen and their line, as I understand it, trying to go to an air raid offense with with Fickle. So I think they're going to struggle dealing with that. They weren't exactly a scoring machine last year. They'll try to ball control as well. So I think the Minnesota game will be a good indicator of how this one's going to go. Um, they're another team that has, has had an awful lot of luck against us over the years. So I don't see us knocking them off up there, but I see us playing them really close. And uh, I got Wisconsin 14-13. And then to finish off the year, Against those rotten Iowa Hawkeyes, what do you see happening there, Double D? Well, I think Iowa will put up about as much as they normally did last year. I got them chalking up a safety somewhere along in the game and losing 28-2. to two. I had this. This one uh, was a tough game, and I had it kind of as a trap after going up in uh, – Knocking off Wisconsin at Camp Randall. I have Nebraska with a letdown, and I have uh, Iowa scoring enough points with that defense to to win the game 23-21. to 21. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what we call a panic pick from Big Dog when he just looked at his sheet and realized <laughs> he's picking them to only lose one game and go on to the college football playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> So that finishes both Big Dog's and Double D's predictions for the season. Big Dog has the Huskers finishing with a 10-2 and record, and Double D has them at 7-5. and After that, how do you both see the Big Ten championship game lining up? Who's representing the West and who's representing the East? We'll have Ohio State coming out of the East. Um, the West is, is wide open. There's not a team that impresses me as being a big favorite there. Um, I don't think Wisconsin will sort out their, their offense. Um, I have a hard time believing in PJ lose after losing his two veteran players. Uh, I'm leaning a little bit towards big Brett Bielema at Illinois, but he's lost some big talent as well. I, I can't, I can't, uh, I think Nebraska's got as good a shot as any, but um, I think I'm going to go with Illinois. That's my pick as well. So that's a good, good spot to be in. Not too many people would say that. And who did you have winning? Ohio State. No hot takes from him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I have a little bit different. I have uh, the surprise team coming out of the East. It's going to be Penn State. And then I have uh, 
the surprise team coming out of the wide open West is going to be Nebraska. Uh, maybe not a surprise with the record I have them at, but the loss against Iowa is not going to be enough for anyone to jump. Nebraska will have already sealed up uh, representing the West. Uh, but I have them losing 35-28 to uh, Penn State in the championship there. So let the uh, let the loyal scoopers here listen to this. On the panel of eight that we have gotten collective picks from, five of this panel have picked the Huskers to represent the West, except for three people who happen to be on today. And I'll give you a hint. It's not myself, and it's not Big Dog. <laughs> Are you sure Chazzy picked Nebraska to come out? I just don't feel like Chazzy did that. Chazzy had Nebraska versus Ohio State with the Huskers finishing with an 8-4 and four record. Well, I would like to point out that Jay Sol has picked the Huskers with the worst record out of everyone who's come on. Well, let me tell you something. I have bought in previous years. This year, I am not bought in. I have them going six and six at this point. I mean, there is nothing showing me that they're not going to. I mean, they better make a bowl game. And that is why I picked them to go six and six. Because once they make a bowl game, season's over. We already won the year. However, that is lingering on a lost Thursday night up in Minneapolis. I mean, if we go into that game, and we beat Minnesota, all bets are off the table. I am throwing out my pick predictions, and we are going 10-2 and two on the year and going to the Big Ten Championship. And Jeff Sims will be in New York if the Huskers win Thursday night. The Huskers are going 10-2. and two. Jeff Sims booking his ticket already. Jay Saul, I will bring the roulade on Thursday. Now, let's take a look here. Double D, Big Dog, who do you see as the top offensive player for the Huskers this year? Well, I see it as uh, Jeff Sims. I think the whole season's going to amount to how he does. I'm looking for big things out of him. He's a big kid. Uh, He can run and throw as long as he can hold up uh, from getting hit. Uh, I, I see him as the the big offensive player for the Huskers. All right, B-Salt, feel free to just get on him. Go. (laughs) I don't think I need to get on Big Dog here because I think Jeff Sims is the right pick, especially if you're buying into J-Salt's hot take of Sims going to the Heisman ceremony in New York. Here's the interesting part, though. JSOL has Jeff Sims representing the Huskers in New York on Heisman ceremony night. However, he has an injured Marcus Washington as his top offensive player for the year. So that begs the question, JSOL. Again, is Washington is Washington taking home the Heisman then? Is Jeff Sims just representing but not taking home the trophy? No, well, I think on. it's completely different. I think it is completely different. Let me tell you something. Marcus Washington is going to be a stud for this team and a game changer. And again, Jeff Sims Heisman lingers on Thursday night, beating Minnesota in Minneapolis. If you can beat Minnesota, you can beat the rest of the West. However, so he's got to beat Minnesota without say, your top offensive player is what you're I telling me. Do, 
Exactly. And that is where it is going to flip flop. However, listen, Jeff Sims is going to get all the love. They always give the love to the quarterback, but the guy that is going to be doing the dirty work and going up to make the catches and make Jeff Sims and make Jeff Sims shine is Marcus Washington, the senior transfer. Well, I'm going to have to agree with the big dog. I think Sims is going to have the ball in his hands an awful lot of the time. I think he's going to have a lot of weapons at his disposal, and that rule will be spreading the ball around um, rather than hammering the same weapons over and over. So I think he's going to be our offensive MVP. I'm not arguing that Sims has a great potential to be MVP, if not maybe even the favorite to win MVP going into the season. The thing that Besol should have jumped on Big Dog for that he didn't, but if I said it, he would have been all over me, is at the beginning of the season, Big Dog saying that our buddy Gabe Irvin is going to have seven touchdowns by Michigan, and yet he's not winning MVP of the season at the end of the year. So what's going on with that, big dog? Well, he was actually following your stats there, T-Saw, and Maccabee was going to have more touchdowns than him, so why would he be an MVP? And why am I awarding the MVP after four games? It's a long (laughs) season. (laughs) Are you thinking he's just going to disappear after Michigan? He won't disappear, but he's not putting up seven touchdowns every four games. T-Soul's acting like that's a bad thing to just see him disappear when that's exactly what he said is going to happen. Twelve touchdowns, J-Soul, is not disappearing. I would argue it is when you start with seven <laughs> in the first four games. Well, Maybe he's got injury problems. I don't know what to tell you. So I agree with both of you. I've got Jeff Sims as well as Chazzy and Paul as the offensive MVP for this team. But how do you see the defensive side of the ball? Who is your top performer on defense for this team? Well, I think uh, we've had a long string of very good defensive backs. Um, I'm expecting to see big things out of Malcolm Hartzog. Uh, I think he's a good return man as well. Again, Counting on getting pressure from our line, we'll see how that materializes in Minnesota. But I think if if we can get pressure on the other teams and with the scores that I'm expecting from Nebraska, I think they'll be throwing against us and uh, Mr. Hardzog will have plenty of opportunities to make big defensive plays. Now, do you feel that Hardzog has a better chance because of his ability to take the ball away. Whereas on the other side of him is Quentin Newsom, who really the last couple of years has been just really a lockdown corner. He hasn't necessarily had the takeaways, but he's really locked down the opposing receivers. Well, I think they play off each other. Um, the fact that Newsom's on the other side and has the longer track record, they'll, they'll likely go after Hartzog or perhaps the safeties rather than Newsom. I'm with you there. If I was picking a corner to be defensive MVP, I'd be picking Hartzog as well. 
But instead of picking a corner, Tiesel, you took a guy recovering from injuries there as well. And here's hoping Buford does make it back for this team at some point this year. But Big Dog, who do you think will be the defensive MVP? I'm uh, I'm going the uh, opposite of uh, Double D, so to speak. He's he's with the defensive back. I'm going right up to the line. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, that, and I don't know how you pronounce his last name, Huntmaker, Huntmatcher, Nash. I think Nash is going to smash people right up front. And with, uh, you know, a lot of times your line doesn't get a lot of credit, uh, but with the teams that they'll be facing, uh, he's going to be, that defensive line is going to be, you know, directly responsible for how many games we win because you know Minnesota is going to try and run it right at you. Wisconsin will, Michigan will. Uh, so I think that uh, Nash, if he can handle that line and just stop the run right up front, it's going to be huge. And I I like that uh, when I was reading about him, he's a um, former wrestler too. So I like the guys that know how to use their body weight in in a scrum situation and leverage them right on through and make the tackle. And Big Dog, that's a that's a great point there. Uh, the Polar Bear, as his nickname is, um, was a huge wrestler back in high school. And Mr. Paul Kelly touched on that last week, uh, saying back when he was coaching wrestling, he was watching a lot of clips and seeing how good the Polar Bear was as a wrestler. And I agree with you. I think he could be a difference maker on the front uh, in the front seven. Exactly. I do think that was the part of this defense that we have been missing. And honestly, if you're getting no push up front, your DBs don't have a chance in the back. This team is going to rely on the defensive line up front, the front seven to get a push and finally put some pressure on a quarterback and make him make mistakes. This is college football. If they have all day, it's hard to make a mistake. But if you put a little pressure on them, these aren't professional athletes. And that's kind of where I'm at with the defensive line taking over. I'm going to make those teams throw against me. They're not going to be just content to try and run the ball because that's what a lot of them will do. Uh, Minnesota has the ones I touched on, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan. If you let them run four or five yards of carry, they're just going to grind it out. They don't even worry about throwing. I'm going to make them throw. Yeah, and I think Nash being right next to Ty Robinson – I think one star tie is going to evolve to that four star tie that we know. And he might even evolve into a five star tie because him being as a DN on the outside going one-on-one with that right tackle or left tackle, depending on the side that he's on and maybe having tight end help, it's not going to be enough to stop that guy in his push. So if I were repicking my defensive MVP, I might lean him, but I'm going to stick with, Buford, because I think Buford is just going to be the leader for the defense when he does get back out there, because ultimately your defensive MVP is not going to be made out there against Northern Illinois or Louisiana Tech or whoever that Louisiana team was. No, your defensive MVP is going to be decided when you go in there and you knock out Wisconsin or you go out there and you knock out Indiana or I mean, uh, Iowa, (laughs) not not Indiana. (laughs) But then that leads us to playoff predictions. And we got to find out who you guys got as your four playoff teams this season. Well, I've got, uh, you know, I'll, I'll jump in. I got, 
no surprise, probably Georgia being one of them. Um, I think coming out of the SEC um, and and the weaker side of the SEC, I just don't see Georgia losing more than one game and a one loss team is going to make the playoffs in my opinion. I think uh I think the other side is toss up between uh Alabama and LSU. Uh I think uh Alabama's going to be back though. I just think uh you know, they got they got the devil coaching them. Uh he made he made some deal with the devil. That's why his they made him change his name, put a B in there instead of a T. Uh, but uh, so I've got the two SEC teams in. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the the surprise team I had winning the Big Ten. Penn State, I think, is going to uh, be in there. And then I'm going to go with, uh, I think, USC. Um, I just because I think they'll their record will just get them in there. I don't know that uh, they're necessarily going to be the fourth best team, but uh, I don't see them losing no. a lot. And uh, with the quarterback they have, I think I think I could see them running undefeated. Now, now, big dog, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, T. Cell's most recent hot take that he gave was that USC will be the only <laughs> undefeated team in college football. And I got to ask you, you got them sneaking in. You said you really don't think they're a top four team there. Do you think it's because they are the only undefeated team in college football? I Yes, I, I would say that would that would be what stamps their ticket. Well, there you heard it, B-Soul. He tried to drop it and it just blew up in his face. Well, we can revisit that one at the end of the season, but I got my notes that Big Dog agrees with that hot take. Well, you've... I, I, you guys have misquoted Big Dog several times, so make I got to start making <laughs> notes here. That's all right. All of the loyal scoopers heard here first. Big Dog believes USC makes the college football playoffs as the only undefeated team in college football. Well, I didn't. I, I didn't say they were the only. I just said they would be <laughs> undefeated to make it. I do want to say that I believe Beasel has been quoting Big Dog. Now I might be off on something. But did Alabama go after Mike Riley before they got Nick Saban? Now, is that something that you said, Big Dog? Not sure where you read it. B-Cell has been saying you have you have come out with this story. I think well, that what, is true. That well, hold is on. True. Uh, I think B-Cell's story with that is that Big Dog was saying Alabama messed up hiring Saban and they should have gotten Mike Riley. No, no, that would be a that would be a misquote, and and it it sounds like it might have been a misquote anyway. I, I didn't have them high, you know. I didn't have them hiring Saban because Mike Riley turned him down. I did say that Alabama wanted to hire Mike Riley, but it was a different different time frame. It was it was before Saban. It was like two coaches before. Because uh, Riley used to play for uh, Alabama, they wanted a former player back that played for Bear Bryant. Uh, you can Google and, and look at the articles, but it was like 2002 or 2003 when Alabama was uh, in trouble. They, you know, NCAA uh, you know, 2000, were looming. 
2007, back when they uh, hired Nick Saban back. You know, no, it, no, it just no, it, Riley. It was, it was kind of close. <laughs> Riley was, he might have been in the NFL at that time. I'm not sure. You'll find this jotted down, this article on bigdog.com. <laughs> <laughs> That was that was when they were deciding between the coach of the Chargers and the coach of the Dolphins, and it just so happened they got uh, Nick Saban from Miami instead of Mike Riley out of San Diego. Well, back me up here, Double D. Oh, I don't follow the NFL, Big Dog. <laughs> He's not jumping on that one. Well, I will. I will have to send you. I will uh, Google it. I'll have to send you the uh, the articles. But if you Google. Uh, Alabama and Mike Riley. I'm sure it'll come up. <laughs> those <laughs> those two should not be named in the same sentence there, big dog. And I'll tell you, I'm the king of hot takes on this one. I'm not even willing to jump on that one with you. <laughs> well, you'd be wrong. Alabama was uh, in trouble back before uh, Saban. They went through a, a handful of coaches in uh, a short span. Does the name David Chula mean anything to you guys? Not me. Uh, he was an Alabama coach prior to Saban. Yeah, and they and had the, the one the guy. The fact that you guys haven't even heard of him tells you how well he did. <laughs> and and he got the job. I want to say he got the job because the guy they hired in December, they fired in May. So he never even coached for them. Uh when they were under NCAA infractions and then they hired Shula who didn't do well. And then they gave him his walking papers. Well, I think that's enough talk about good old sprinkles. Double D can we get your talk on the playoffs? Let's get your top four teams here. Yeah. My hot take is, is I think it's going to be the beginning of a new, new order in college football. Um, Two Big Ten teams making the playoff this year. Unfortunately, they're Ohio State and Michigan. I don't see either one of them going undefeated. Um, I think they'll both end up with one loss. I think uh, probably the hot take is I left Georgia out. Being being two-time defending champions, I just – think the pressure is going to be too much for them and they're going to stumble with the target on their back every week. Um, I do see smiling Nick getting back in the mix this year. Um, he's getting towards the end of the trail. Um, still loaded with talent there. And uh, as much as it pains me to say it, uh, I see the the domers from Notre Dame sneaking in as the fourth team. You lost oh. me on that one, Double D. I'm telling was, you, there's no chance Notre Dame's getting in. That would be because that means they have to eliminate Ohio State. I thought that was one of T Cell's hot takes for a minute. <laughs> well, That's it's kind of. <laughs> I think it kind of is. I've probably been listening to the scoop a little too much, and it's rubbing <laughs> off on me. <laughs> I, I mean, I do have to tell you this. It, at least Notre Dame plays some talent here, unlike uh, J-Sol's surprise team getting in in the green wave. Let me tell you, you do not have to play anyone if you end the year undefeated, and that is exactly what the big green wave is going to do, and Tulane is making it. Don't forget, 
they are ranked right now. Their only ranked team they play is Ole Miss week two. If they beat Ole Miss, it is they a won't. cakewalk into the postseason. Jason, was it a cakewalk into the postseason last year when you jumped on the Houston Cougar bandwagon with Bezo? You know, I did find myself on the wrong train, and that was one that Bezo was driving. This one, he is not the captain here of this ship. And let me tell you something, the big green wave is riding into the town, and they are going to the playoff. Jason, unfortunately... Jason, unfortunately, you haven't been on the right ship yet. And Tisal, he is just throwing out what is basically one of your hot takes here, hoping that something sticks. Listen, you guys all can't can't be winners here, unlike um, that good old Bearcat bandwagon a couple of years ago. And let me tell you, unfortunately for uh, Mr. Luke Finkel, he's not going to have the same type of his success that he did at Cincinnati this year at Wisconsin. Well, B-Saw, let me just remind you, last season, I had picked Oklahoma to finish with a worse record than both Purdue and somebody else. Who was the second team? Somebody help me out here. Minnesota? I think it was Minnesota. And you guys both jumped on me for that one. And guess who was right and who was wrong? You guys could figure out the rest. But Oklahoma ended up with a losing record last season at 6-7. and seven. I'm pretty sure you just got it wrong again. You don't even remember all your hot takes. You said Purdue and Illinois, and nobody in no, the this right year mind is Illinois. Into, and nobody in the right mind would go into a season and pick Illinois and Purdue to be better than Oklahoma. So you got lucky. <laughs> Jay, so I didn't get lucky. I just know that Oklahoma hired the wrong guy, and I promise you this, he's gone by season's end. I think they got a Mike Riley situation happening in Norman, Oklahoma. Well, thanks for joining us for another week of the Sully Scoop. You're here with J-Sull. B-Sull. And T-Sull. And we want to give a special thanks to the two that have witnessed national champions, national championship here for the Huskers, and one might have us going back. But Double D and Big Dog, thanks for joining us. Great thanks to be on, guys. Thanks for coming on. We'll look Don't forward to having you. Yep, we'll look forward to having you back later in the year and seeing how these picks are, you know, going for you. If you found yourself in a delusional world and B cells mind, uh, big dog, you might be there, or you're living in the reality. That's what it's going to come down to. We'll keep an eye out amongst all that gold that this is supposed to be up in Minneapolis for us. Uh, We'll be there trying to get us off to a good start. Well, Jeff Sims would be very happy with the end of the season prediction I'll have going for him with that. But don't forget to follow and like and reach out to us on Twitter or via email at the Sully Scoop at Gmail if you want to ask a question and be on next week's Grandstand Gossip. Go Big Red. <laughs>